This world's familiar sun still hides below the horizon. Crude and unpolished earth unfurls below. Mountains contort into barriers that stretch like fingers across empty scrublands. Palaces, or rather what pass for palaces, fail to loom over anything but the squattest of hills. The curvature of the planet meets the stars with a serenity and grace few of the dwellers below will ever witness. They are so scattered across the globe and grasp so blindly for any sort of understanding that it's no surprise they've been conquered and don't even comprehend their predicament. Welcome to League of Lore, a podcast about the lore of League of Legends and other properties set in the Terran universe. I'm your host, Jacob, or Skullhead Soldiers, and let's begin. Terra is a very interesting place. It is a magical planet that was created by powerful gods called the Celestials through the use of artifacts called the World Runes. But before that, there was Aurelian Soul, a celestial dragon who created the various stars of the universe. We don't know if he's the only one, but we know that he specifically created the star that Runeterra moves around. And after that creation, Runeterra was then created by those celestials. After they used those world runes to create the planet, they kind of just dropped them onto the planet below where those world runes were lost to the eons. On this planet, there are three main continents, uh, Valoran, Shurima, and Ionia, as well as some island chains such as the Serpent Isles and the Shadow Isles. Now, on each of these continents and isles, there are various cultures and powers and regions and play, and they all are vying for control or sometimes just want to be left alone, depending on them. On Valoran, we have Demacia off in the west. They are a highly organized, aristocratic, isolationist monarchy of a society where they have a very strange and volatile hatred of magic. There is a reason for this. It will be covered at a later date. And because of this hatred for magic, they instead are very uh, disciplined with a very martial kind of sense to them. Everything should be in its place. Nothing diverges or there will be consequences. Off to the east, we basically have the exact opposite, where we have arguably the largest empire on Runeterra, which is Noxus. It literally spreads all the way from on the eastern coast of Valoran down to Shurima and all and even some holdings off in Ionia. They are incredibly diverse and have a strong obsession with this idea of power. And it's a very Darwinist kind of society. Only the powerful shall survive. Only the powerful shall succeed. Only the powerful shall have power. Due to this, to have a very meritocratic kind of sense to them. If you are a noble or an aristocrat in a society, you only have that position because you proved you deserve that position. There is no old money in Noxus. It is only those who deserve to be there. At least that's what they say and how they behave. Uh, Noxus is led by the Trifrix, which is a perfect representation of this. 
There are the three leers of Noxus, each representing vision, might, and guile, respectively. Off to the north, we have the Freljord, a vast frozen tundra, which is very Viking-inspired and has various tribes and peoples vying for control of that frozen region. Uh, the Freljord was even created by these old, old gods, which are referred to as demigods. Uh, but that is, that is not in the sense that we know it. It just means sort of a, like a lesser god. Um, who are inspired by nature and animals, such as Orn, the Volibear, and Anivia. And currently, the Freljord is uh, being vied for control over by three main tribes, which are the Avarosans, the Winter's Claw, and the Frostguard. Down to the south of Valorand, in between a little div oceanic divide between Valorand and Shirima, are the twin city-states of Piltover and Zaun. They are a mercantile society led by majority in Piltover, by a bunch of nobles and merchants and other guilds and stuff like that. The Piltoverian portion of it are up on a cliffside, while Zaun is down in a valley below it. And due to this, there is a very stark class divide between the two, where in Piltover all the rich and the hoity-toity, very Victorian kind of feel. They even use steampunk-inspired technology, although it's more like Magitech, using crystals called hex crystals. It's very, very interesting. But down in Zaun, you have all the workers and the poor, and it's basically a city slum at this point, where it's mostly run by corrupt Ken Barons, who are the masters of the industry down in Zaun, although also the members up in Piltover also control that trade and industry down there. Due to this, though, the residents of Zaun use a more slapdash kind of technology that's based in sort of a chemtech kind of feel. It's very, very interesting, and these people just try to survive in these horrendous conditions. Off to the far east, off in its own continent, we have Ionia. It's also called the First Land, and it's arguably the most magical land in all of Runeterra. It's filled with spirits and fae-like creatures, and just has a very strong magical sense to it, where there are even like rocks floating through the air due to all the inherent magic in the air. Also has a very East Asian kind of inspiration to its culture, even has a Buddha-esque figure that resides there. It's very, very interesting, especially since they recently were in a war with Noxus, and due to that, they're having a bit of culture shock where their pacifistic nature had to be sidelined to defend themselves, and now they're not sure if they should return to pacifism or become more ready to fight. Off in the southern continent of Shurima, we have the main region of the Shuriman Desert that takes up almost the entire continent. It, it has a very uh, Egyptian-inspired culture in it, uh, as well as a bunch of wandering tribes and peoples of a more Arabic kind of leaning. They, uh, these tribes roam around in trade caravans, moving goods around all throughout this vast desert area, and oftentimes trade up with the Noxian holdings, as well as Piltover and Zaun. And also, in the Shuriman Desert, there is a rumor of the return of the old Shuriman Empire, literally rising out of the sands as if built by a god. Off to the east, we have Ixtal, a hidden kingdom that only has recently resurfaced to 
the no be of everyone else and a it is currently surrounded by a vast jungle that is one of the reasons it has been hidden for so long they have a very elemental magic um obsession they literally use elemental magic for everything they also have a mesoamerican architectural inspiration and they use like golems and other crazy magical constructs based in like water and earth and fire and stuff like that it's really really cool to the west of the Shreeman Desert is Targon. It is the tallest mountain in Runeterra, and the other location, I would argue, is possibly even more magical than Ionia is, because it is literally touched by the Celestials themselves. Think of it as Runeterra's equivalent to Mount Olympus. The Celestials don't literally rest on top of it, but they use Targon as a kind of focal point where they can interact with the people that exist on that mountain has a very uh, Greco-Roman theming, kind of going back to the Olympus analogy, and they just have all sorts of tribes and peoples vying for their control of Targon as a whole, and as well as the rivalries between each other due to the various gods they worship not always agreeing with each other. Off back into the ocean, a little south of Ionia, we have the Serpent Isles where Bilgewater exists. Bilgewater is a pirate port city. It is completely lost. There are no rules. The only rules there are is who can punch who harder and who has more gold. And due to this, it is ruled by literal pirate lords. It is currently ruled by a pirate queen who overthrew the previous pirate king. And there's a whole epic story involved in that. Another interesting thing with Bilgewater is it has a kind of Cthulhu-esque feel due to the main religion of Bilgewater literally worshipping a Kraken god. It's really, really cool. And then off even farther east than either Ionia or the Serpent Isles, we have the Shadow Isles. They used to be the Blessed Isles long, long ago, but they were corrupted by an event called the Ruination. And now it, they are filled with undead, a little black mist that absorbs souls, revenants, wrathful spirits just all sorts of crazy crazy stuff liches it is a very scary place with all these undead vying for power or simply just existing to cause harm to any living who arrive on on that place it is currently ruled by the ruin king the literal creator of the ruination but he may not be wanting to stay there much longer and outside of all of these main physical places we have bandal city a literal magical city that exists in a separate dimension. Basically think of the spirit realm from Avatar The Last Airbender. And it is filled with a people called the Yordles, a very fae-inspired race. They just have all sorts of crazy magical hijinks going on there. And the only way to access Bandle City are through various portals ex that appear and disappear all around the world. And there's not really a way to know where those portals are or when they might appear. You just kind of have to guess or maybe have an inside look into the into Bandle City. Who knows? Now that you have a better idea of what the planet of Runeterra is, we're going to learn about the various peoples and conflicts of current Runeterra. But before we do that, we're going to go into a quick break. If you want to help spread the show or simply get more content, you can follow the official Twitter at League of Lore 2 for updates on the podcast and other lore tidbits. You can also follow my Twitch account, twitch.tv slash Skullhead Soldiers, 
where I stream myself playing League of Legends and other games and discuss the lore and gameplay of those properties. With that, let's get back to the show. Now, there are many races that exist on Runeterra. There are regular humans, as we know them here on Earth. They are as normal as they can be, although now some of them have magic. And they also have various other things going on, such as there are people called the Iceborn. It's a whole thing. Humans are humans, essentially. But there are also uh, human-animal hybrids, kind of, who are called the Vestaya. They are an inherently magical people, and their origins are in Ionia, but they exist all over the planet. Vastaya look more animalistic the older their generation is, or depending on the tribe they're from. Some look more like straight-up cat people, some look like fish, like it's a whole thing along those lines. But then some of the more current generations or tribes who have intermingled with humans more often look a little less like animals and have more human features. Some might look basically fully human except for some feathers. Others may have like bird legs and literal wings attached to them, but everything else about them is human. It's very, very interesting. Then you have those fae creatures, the Yordles from Bandle City. They are a, by far, probably the most magical creatures on Runeterra, although it's arguable with the Vestaya. But the most interesting about the Yordles is that they have the ability to disguise themselves from prying eyes through either it's a substance they use or it's through their inherent magic that is a bit unclear in the lore. But essentially, they can look like very tiny humans with like weird-looking features to them. They can look like an old lady or just a person with a big bushy beard. It's very, very interesting. But the most interesting thing about Yordles is that their literal personality and physical look changes depending on the culture they're exposed to whenever they are in Runeterra for a long time and not in Bangle City. It's very, very fascinating how they change in this way. Like, if they exist closer to Demacia, they might be more orderly, have armor, like, be very, like, martial and all that. Or if they live near Noxus, they might be very expansionistic and obsessed with their territory. It's very, very interesting as these girls basically become meme versions of the regions they're exposed to. It's very, very interesting. There are also some more minor races, such as dragons, as we understand them. They're basic, your basic fantasy dragons. They are sentient and sapient, however, and also have some form of, of magic to them. They're very, very interesting. Uh, Demacia has a weird obsession with hunting them. It's the whole thing. Then you have demons, which are not like demons as we think of, like there's no hell or anything like that. Those are not these kind of demons. These demons are instead more, think, the seven deadly sins based with dark magics, specifically magics left over from an event called the Rune Wars, which we'll cover at another time, but where they basically feed on the various negative emotions. Some feed on avarice and desire, others on agony, some on regret. It's very, very interesting, especially since we recently learned that they're now much, much older demons, basically primordial demons, who've existed long before these other much younger ones, and uh, such as a major one being a demon that literally is the primordial fear of the universe itself. It's very, very interesting. Outside of the demons, and onto another creepy thing, are the Voidborn, 
which are creatures are spawned from a dimension called the Void. And basically the Void is a whole dimension of essentially nothingness, but has sort of sentience to it when the rest of reality was created. Basically existed since time immemorial, and as life was created in the universe, the Void woke up and is now very cranky and wants to go back to sleep again. And to do so, it has to destroy the universe, essentially. And the Voidborn are its minions and spawn that come out to do its bidding. They're very H.R. Geiger-inspired. They're very creepy-looking, very unearthly. Although some of them look more like actual creatures in Runeterra due to uh, having adapted to the material play, the material realm, essentially, much more ably than some others. And then you have the basic undead, like, off back into Shadow Isles again. Like I said, there are wraiths, revenants, literal liches, and other wrathful spirits and such. They're very, very interesting because not all of the undead just stay on the Shadow Isles. Some leave. Some can even be called upon. And there are even signs of undead to have no relation to the Shadow Isles at all. And they're just all very, very interesting. Some with more personality than others. They're just really, really cool. And then we have the more deific kind of entities. Like I mentioned, there are the Celestials, the little creator deities of Runeterra. And based on the Celestials are the Aspects, which are basically their avatars. They exist on Targon and represent certain Celestials. Like there's an aspect of war, an aspect of the sun, an aspect of the moon. They're very, very interesting. And they oftentimes just do not get along with each other due to which celestial they serve and their own personal feelings on that, as the aspects are people. It's very, very interesting. Then, based on those aspects, in Shirima, there are entities called the Ascended, who are literal god warriors who were created using the power of the sun and divine magic to make a normal person into a semi-divine being. They're very, very powerful and were oftentimes the main uh, controlling force of Shurima when it was the Shuriman Empire. And speaking of the Ascended, we have the Darken, which are corrupted Ascended, specifically Ascended that were corrupted by exposure to the Void. It's very, very interesting. They have basically blood magic and dark red and black features. Very edgy, but very cool at the same time. Think more traditional demons, unlike the previous demons who aren't like that. They're really, really cool, but a lot of the Darken are currently imprisoned in their weapons, and so now they can only appear when a wielder grabs their weapon, and then they can take over. It's really, really cool. Now, outside of all of that, let's get on to the main conflicts and current events of Terra. So you know what's currently going on when we start talking about the champions and stories of this really, really fascinating world and setting. We have the Mage Rebellion, often Demacia. The Mages got sick and tired of being persecuted against due to its anti-magic le uh, leanings, and now they've rebelled due to a man named Silas. But due to said rebellion and some unknown events, the previous king is now dead, and now he's been replaced by his son, Jarvan IV, who is now proclaimed he shall literally kill all Mages in Demacia. So it's not going great over there. Off in the north, we have the Freljord Civil War between those three main tribes, the Winter's Claw, 
Frostguard, and the uh, Avarosans. They're currently led by three very, very powerful um, women, actually, which are very, very cool. We have a super ancient Ice Witch in Lysandra leading the Frostguard. We have a very warrior-centric, I-want-to-conquer-everything-and-raid-everything warrior in Sejuani. And then we have Ash, who leads the Avarosans, who wants a more peaceful solution and is big into diplomacy. And the cool thing is that Sejuani and Ash may be reincarnations of Lysandra's original sisters long, long ago. Off, away from that, off to the east, back in Ionia, there are rumblings of a second Noxian invasion. And they're all basically freaking out as they're still only just recovering from the previous Noxian invasion. And so now they have to decide, what are they going to do this time? Are they going to try to return to their pacifixit ways despite this? Or are they going to embrace a more warrior, let's fight it out kind of culture to survive. It's very, very interesting. And then down in the Shuriman Desert, we have the return of that old Shuriman Empire. It has literally risen again from the very sands of the desert, being led by a god emperor named Azir, who has become ascended. He is now the god warrior king of his empire, and by golly, he is going to have this empire, whether the various tribes of the desert want it or not. And as all of that is going on, the Ruined King in Shadows has decided to leave his home and try to reclaim his wife, who he says was stolen from him, and is causing the second Ruined Nation, which is causing undead to rise up all over the world, as well as possessions through his massive might and magic. It's really, really crazy, and that is the current most recent event, and it is just absolutely crazy. But, now that we have all of that, I want to thank you all for listening to the first episode of League of Lore. I hope you all have a better grasp of the vast world of Runeterra as we march forward from here. If you have any questions about Runeterra and what was discussed today, please send them in your reviews on your podcaster of choice if they have that capability, or you can send them to the official email of the podcast, loreofruneterra at gmail.com, and I will do my best to answer those questions on the next episode. There are many characters and stories and just so much to talk about through Runeterra. So it's going to be a long, bumpy, crazy ride. So let's strap in and just look forward to that. Next episode, we shall be exploring in more depth that very anti-magic currently in a civil war with itself region of Demacia. We're going to talk about its founding, its history, and why exactly they hate magic so much. Hint, it was a massive magic war. So, until then, I'll see you all next time. Peace.